Welcome to Brand Me. I'm Preston Conrad, and this is the podcast about doing your own thing, whether it's building a personal brand, maximizing your side hustle, or making the most of your every day. Be that person that says the wild card things. Be who you are. You know, that's the thing that actually is going to drive you to exactly where you're meant to be. Hey, everybody. I've got an incredible guest on today's show, and we're dedicating this show to talking about amplifying your brand's message and putting it out there. I'm sitting down with Lisa Suloti. She is the co-founder and chief communications officer of Shadow. They are an amazing agency here in New York that helps brands do just that. And whether you're a brand big, small, or you're not even a brand yet, this episode, when I tell you, is jam-packed full of information about how to get your brand message out into the universe, whether it's social, press placements. It's just an incredible episode. So get your notepad, grab a coffee, and here is Lisa. Lisa, it's been a decade or so. It has. I know. And we're back together. Feels so I'm so good. happy to see your face. Not everyone can see your face because I'm lucky enough I get to see you over a video right now. We yeah. met back in the day at when I was at American Eagle. At American Eagle. It's true. I remember. And we were like hanging out at previews and at meetings and in store events and doing just so much fun work together. It was great. I loved it. I remember falling in love and being enamored with what your world of PR was at Mm -hmm. the time and what you have done at Shadow and your team even since then Mm -hmm. has been remarkable. And we're going to get into it because now more than ever, brands are coming out left and right. Mm -hmm. Founders are coming out left and right. Creators are starting brands left and right. I can only imagine that your world has gotten a little crazy. Before we We're a little busy. It, a little <laughs> busy. I mean, I checked your client roster. It's like quadruple when I remember it being with yeah. some of the coolest brands out there. How did yeah. you get your start in PR? Because I feel like every New Yorker moves mm. to the city and is like, I'm going to work in PR. And then no yeah. one ever does. And then people like you are right. rock stars. How did it happen? Well, thank you for saying all those amazing things. You know, what's so funny is I didn't set out to be in PR, you know? I think Mm -hmm. I just was someone that had natural interests and passions about certain things, and all those things were leading me to this world, but I wasn't necessarily understanding that those passions could get me here, right? Right. So I always loved media. I loved writing. I was an English major, Mm -hmm. and I always assumed that I would actually be in media, And that's really where I think I started. Um, I had like a magazine in college. I started with my friends and I wrote, um, I thought I wrote a book. I I did all all of these things that were just things I was passionate about. And then really the turning point was meeting Brad Zeifman, who is now my partner. And he worked at an agency and my best friend that I studied, you know, that was also an English major with me at BU, she was his assistant. She was a fellow native New Yorker like me. And we went out for drinks. I had just interviewed at a magazine. That magazine no longer exists. And uh, so many, she said, so many I don't know. exist anymore. So I, many, I know. We, it's uh, wild. we like, when we tell the kids, the new kids, I was like, you know, I almost worked at GQ. They're like, right. do, care. do you want to work They're at like, TikTok? Because otherwise I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's, it's so wild. I mean, if you've been in this industry long enough, you've seen all the iterations, which I yeah. think is also. I mean, I, I love that piece of it, you know, because you've seen all the the directions it's gone in. But she said to me, you know, I really think you'd love PR because it brings together all the things you're passionate about. You get to be 
kind of at the heart of all the media outlets that you love, all the brilliant journalists that you're obsessed with, all the brands you're obsessed with, the categories, you're really in the middle of all of it. You get to write all you want. You get to do so many of these creative things. So she convinced Brad, who was going to Susan Blonde to meet with me the next day. And I did. And I almost didn't get hired. I'll tell you that story later. But thankfully, he did hire me. And it was exactly right. It was I was doing literally what I hadn't realized I had spent so many years preparing to do just through my own personal passions. Um, right. and, and that's how it all started. You're like a, and I, and I know exactly how you're describing yourself. You're a consumer of media, consumer of mm. brands, consumer of entertainment. And right. you're like, what's the job that puts all of that in a bucket? That's <laughs> right. Being what you're in now. That's exactly right. I remember so vividly, and it was a hot minute ago, I was reading a magazine. Oh my God, why do magazines keep coming up? That's so funny. But I guess if we're talking about, you know, a hot minute ago, that's how we got our love for this business, I think. It's true, through reading magazines. And I was reading a magazine looking for a placement. And I remember being afraid that you know, some of the executive team members would walk in and see me doing that and think that I wasn't working. Right. And I, I had this feeling like I'm going to get in trouble. And I'm like, wait, this, this is my job. This is what I get to do. <laughs> right. I'm not in trouble. I'm actually being productive. How exciting. And I remember that so vividly or just, you know, being at events or working my first red carpets or launching a brand for the first time or being in one of those meetings where you get to see things a year before, you know, the rest of the world is going to see it. Like those moments, I'm like, how is this work? Is this work? Are you yeah. sure? Like, I just, yeah, I still have that feeling. I love it. It's still one of the industries to me that is very protected of that um, glossy New York bubble, right? Like when you, Mm. when you watch a movie about New York, it's like the PR or working at Instagram or working, like they're very sexy to me just as categories Mm -hmm. and as professions. How has, you mentioned the magazine days. It's so funny. I rearranged this room yesterday and my husband gets so... I think annoyed that I have stacks and stacks of magazines. I'm talking from like 2004, mm-hmm. like just mm-hmm. iconic fashion magazines. I won't mm-hmm. get rid of. Mm-hmm. You reference the magazine days. How has the, it's probably loaded. How's the business shifted between those kind of days and where we are now, where it's just like everything all the time, drip, yeah. drop, launch. I mean, I can't even imagine the shifts. It is. I mean, it is the most, um, unbelievable revolution. Like it's been extraordinary to be a part of because there was a time where it was about, of course, the magazines that just kind of guided everything. And when digital was starting, people didn't take it super seriously. A client didn't necessarily want a digital placement over a print placement. Um, editors carried a different kind of influence because it wasn't measured by social. There was just so much that was happening at that time that was also really exciting, really interesting, really challenging. And then it really shifted. And then I think um, what we've all had to retrain ourselves is, you know, not just the media landscape itself, which of course has evolved tremendously. And now, you know, of course, print media looks completely different and digital is where it's at. And there's just so much more media mm-hmm. than ever before. I mean, when we're saying to a client, we got a billion media impressions 
in a in 48 hours for a launch you couldn't have imagined years ago to get a billion media impressions in one year right you know there's just so much more media so much more reach which is exciting because it means you can have such a greater impact right but then of course you have to keep that up you have to sustain it how do you how do you sustain that right, right. so that's really i think the exciting challenge in all of it and the other piece is redefining pr and that mm-hmm. has really been interesting and exciting. We dropped the PR from our name, you know, several years ago. I think it was by now, probably six, seven years ago. Um, and now when I say shadow PR, it like feels so like funny to me, you know, it's because- so weird. I like think of shadow PR. I just like bit from right? the business and as, as a New Yorker, it's just a phrase, you know, you know, it's, it's just- A hundred percent. And so we had to almost train everybody else because PR- no longer just means PR, right? Right. PR is part of what I like to call a surround sound kind of approach. And that's Mm -hmm. where you're merging PR and marketing and social and digital and all these type of services you have to integrate together to create an impact that before, you know, back in the day, you'd say, oh, okay, you get one placement, then fast forward five years, right? And then it's like, okay, you need a handful of these placements, this broadcast segment, and then you need these people talking about it. And then you fast, it's, again, how it's all evolved. And now where we're sitting, I think it's the most fascinating, exciting, evolved time we've ever been in, because of how many pieces of the puzzle it takes to create an impact. And then you measure that against the consumer who's smarter than ever. I mean, it's they're so smart. They call BS in a hot minute. They'll call you out. They'll start a conversation on TikTok in a good way, in a bad way. Mm -hmm. They'll they're Mm -hmm. they're really smart. And I think it takes this what you just described, multi pronged Mm -hmm. kind of attack that you make sure Mm -hmm. all the little voices are popping up where they need to. Do you guys count? Funny random question. You don't have to answer, but do do influencer like unboxings or mm-hmm. posts count as impressions when looking at an overall like launch package now? I always wonder yeah. how that works. Yeah, they must, they right? They absolutely do. Yeah. They absolutely do. They obviously carry a different level of weight and influence than, let's use a lipstick as an example. Yep. It's one thing to see someone open a box, right? Yep. And they're, if they're tagging all the right things, like, great, love that. But the conversion you're going to see from them applying it, swatching it, you know, talking about it, showing it before and after is always going to carry a different value. What's crazy though, is that you still are going to get the same impressions in an Excel sheet of a report, right? But I think that's, what's also interesting about this, this industry is how you measure and how you show value in something. And so there's sort of the tangible measurable stuff. And then you're like, Okay, but that's those are valuable in different ways. Those showed you different things. You can't say they're the same, you know. Right. Um, but then there's of course tools that can measure in, I mean, insane ways that you can dig into and get really, really specific about it. But those, all those things, it all counts. You put it out in the universe, it all counts. Yeah, it all counts nowadays. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. Um, you brought up lipstick. I think do you guys work with Elf Cosmetics? We do. We do for many uh, years. Because I am deep for the last few months in a TikTok hole. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I know this Michaela woman very well. Yes. And like a best friend. Like a best friend. I know. I, um, know. I don't wear 99% of the things she talks about. I'm just enthralled. But a lot of it has to do with 
elf. Yeah. And it's just, it brings me to my next question, which yeah. is like, what brands are doing it right in mm-hmm. this new world? I think mm-hmm. an elf's a really great example because like, they are. I, I will buy it. And I don't yeah. not need it, but I watch it. I see it. I swatch it. They're speaking to me. They're speaking to the young people. Like who's kind of cracked the code? Yeah. So it's funny you say that. I would have given Elf as an example and not just because they're my client, but then totally because they're my client. So, <laughs> right. Like I think about Elf and there's a couple of things because I don't actually believe that there's one recipe for success, that if a brand follows that path, they will be successful. I do think that there always needs to be true kind of, you know, customized and like brand to brand approaches. So Elf doesn't just have like, oh, well, they're doing TikTok. It's so much deeper than that. Right. To me, it all starts with the people that are making decisions, right? That okay, 20 steps later, you're seeing Michaela's video. But the people that are making decisions, they're yes people, they're visionaries, Mm -hmm. they're people that are willing to test and learn, they're willing to take risks, Mm -hmm. they let us do wild and crazy things. Like, they're smart. Like, they're marketers. Like, they, you know what I mean? And so it's more than just, you know, product that they're putting out into the universe. And so then you take a look at, how they're innovating. So they're innovating from a product standpoint. They're always going to deliver value because they're always going to be affordable. So that's just like, what else could you ask for? But then on top of that, they really play with culture. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So they tap into what's happening in music and entertainment with influencers. They look at literally... You know things like okay, let's partner with Duncan. Let's partner wait, with Chipotle. I was dying for the Duncan. I was like, I would buy that. I have no need I'm, for that. I would buy. But yeah, it, it we need it. Me. It spoke yeah. to like a, an emotion, an emotional part of me. I just, it was so smart. And that's a yeah. deci- that's a decision maker a few steps back on the food chain before mm-hmm. us as consumers see it. That's exactly right, and they can anticipate the energy and excitement that people are going to feel, and they can think ahead. Right. Mm -hmm. And so for us, such a joy to be in the room with those people and influence those decisions and share our ideas and know that we're sharing it in a room of people that will take a risk. You know what I mean? And so the amount of times I've said to Corey Marchesoto, the CMO at Elf, thank you for saying yes. Like Mm -hmm. literally, you know, to trust us as their partner and to let us run wild and do all of the fun things that we want to do, you know, I think that's what's also brought this brand back in a lot of ways because you weren't talking about them or influenced by them four years ago. No, it's definitely of the now. It's the last year and a half, Mm -hmm. two years. But I think what you just mentioned, the fun thing, like I'm even seeing with my consulting clients at Kennet at my agency, like we work with some old school brands that are just tried and true and fantastic. Mm -hmm. And more and more, they're kind of like, do what you want with the cake. And I'm like, you mean you don't want to tell me how to bake the cake, where to put the cake, how to sell the cake? They're like, just make me cake, make sure it's fun. And I'm like, that's that's the release of the reins that all brand owners need to do a little bit right now. It's funky waters. It's, it's true. And I think you have to trust your partners, right? you know, and I think that's, what's 
magical in a partnership and what can make it work is when there is a trust there. I trust them to deliver the most innovative product and to deliver on what they sell and what they promise. Whereas they trust us to be able to spread the message in the coolest, most unique, loudest way that reaches people and makes them have a feeling and an excitement that you described. And that goes hand in hand together. And it's a no brainer. It's really good. I mean, on the opposite side of the spectrum, right, there's now, you know, we have the elves, these big brands that that have the resources and the teams and the support. Mm-hmm. But we're also at this interesting time where now more than ever, everybody's a brand, everybody's starting a product line, everybody's yeah. launching a something, maybe they don't want yeah. to work their job anymore. And they want to focus on XYZ. What can... What advice could you give to someone who, who's not elf, who wants to amplify their message and they're like, I quit my job in insurance to sell these great poofs and, you know, <laughs> Instagram is telling me to make video and I don't know how to make video. Yeah. It's like it, it could be a tricky time for yeah. a newbie, right? Or even if yeah. you just raise a little bit of money. Any advice yeah. you can give there? Oh, God, so much. Um, okay. I'm going to narrow it down to just a few things that's digestible. So well, I would say the first thing is figure out what problem you're solving. And Mm. when you're saying you want to get your brand message out, but like, why is that message worth getting out? What is unique and inspiring and interesting about that message, right? Mm -hmm. Whether that's your brand values, whether that's aesthetically something you're inspiring. I mean, there's so many things to qualify that. It could be some innovation you've created that no one's been able to solve something with, right? Like there's obviously that's endless, but you know, we challenge ourselves sometimes internally in like a brainstorm. We'll think about an idea and we'll say, but could this be any brand, mm-hmm. right? Could, mm-hmm. could anyone do this? Could this mm-hmm. be fill in the blank event, right? Mm. Or fill in the blank mailer, fill in the blank, whatever it is, pitch even. And if we don't feel that truly the DNA of this brand launch event, whatever it is, is truly showing up in an ownable way, it's not good enough. And you have to Mm. have that critical lens on your own brand, which is so hard to do for any brand founder. We work with many. They're not all, you know, elves and Sunbum and Moroccan, all those big brands or AE, Airy. Of course, when people hear those brands, they're like, oh, my God. But you know what? We also work with the next big brand. You know, that also is, is super exciting. And you have to look at your brand through a critical lens because that's what the media will look through. That is, mm-hmm. you know, also how consumers are looking, right? They're just as critical. So I do think that's really important. And then the second piece is understand your category like the ultimate expert. You should know every single thing there is to know about your category, about your yep. competitors, what they're doing right, what they're not doing right, where you could find white space. You know what I mean? There's just so much that can be done. But if you're not aware of kind of what you're in, then you don't really understand how you can fit, right? How you, how you can stand out. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, it's so funny because I, like I, I, um, I joke now having launched this home business with starting with candles and getting into some new personal care items. Mm -hmm. I am like, I'm a chemist now. I know everything Mm -hmm. there is about wax, about burn time, about stability, about yep. that I taught myself prior to launch and during the launch. But then yep. I see other people who I'm, tr- I'm really trying to help friends, 
fellow followers launch an XYZ mm-hmm. without being an expert in this space. And I'm like, babe, we, we, you got to dive deep into that. You have to answer yeah. every question because right. someone's going to ask you. They always ask that's me. Right. And I'm like, I can't believe they asked me that. And I'm glad I yeah. knew it. Yeah, that's exactly right. And the expectation is that you will know. Because if you are a founder of something, that means you are the expert in whatever that something is, right? And so I think that's also why it's so important to have a voice as a Mm -hmm. brand, to have that founder voice, because you can be that person that lends the expertise and the knowledge. So as a consumer, you can build trust. As a consumer, they can say, okay, well, they know everything about that. So if they think it's great, I'm going to buy it. Right. I was going to ask you about this. This whole, this is my actual next question is, is in this age, does every founder need to be customer facing? Where's the win there? Is it a win? Like I think of like Jones, Bobby Brown with Jones Road on TikTok. And I'm like, that, that was like, I, it was unexpected, but I'm like, actually totally tracked. She's a little bit older, but there's so much Mm -hmm. credibility there. She's talking to a new Mm -hmm. audience. Like Mm -hmm. that was a nice combo for me, but like, what's your stance Mm -hmm. on that of like, Mm -hmm. do founders have to be in the forefront? You know, I've worked with brands where they're not, you know, and they're literally there for a function and to like, run the business and maybe they are the chemist, but doesn't mean they want to talk to anybody. Right. Totally. And then, you know, we've worked with brands that have someone who is like a, just a good, a diamond where you're like, Oh my God, like just what a gift. Right. It's like literally pull that out of them. You're like, Oh my God, wait, you're, you're the secret sauce. You have to be out here. (laughs) That's right. That's right. I remember, you know, I do a lot of new business meetings. I, I, like to take as many meetings as I'm able to join to just really hear, because a lot of them are new brands that are coming to us that want to, you know, and we're always looking for like, okay, what's that next big brand? What can we build together? And we always get excited about that. And, you know, there's a lot there like, "Uh, and then there's some real gems, right? And so when we met with Bread Beauty Supply, and it was like right when COVID had started. And I was like, this is something. Like, this is gonna be the next it brand. Yeah. And then I met the founder, Mava. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she was stuck in Australia. It was like two o'clock in the morning, her time, and she got on a Zoom with me. And she was an absolute goddess. And I was like, you are it. Like mm-hmm. just the combination of what you are bringing to the world from a product standpoint with who you are, the voice that you can give to the category, to the products, you can participate in really important conversations. To me was what took it from just, again, another brand, right? To the potential dream client that we knew we could take, right? To such another level. So I think you have to think about, and it's, again, it's hard to look at yourself if you're the founder critically, right? But to say, does the brand benefit from me being the voice Mm -hmm. or not? Right. So I often see people bring a partner Mm. and that partner is forward facing. So they'll bring in a derm because that derm needs to bring, you know, a certain level of credibility, but they want to just be the face for all the grand storytelling. And then, you know, I've seen in other sort of businesses, it could be 
fashion, for example, you know, the designers like, I don't want to do all that. I just want right. to like sit and design and <laughs> Count do me what out I on do. that. I'm going to do what yeah. I do best. Right. A hundred percent. Not everybody's Michael Kors. I think that's a, that, that's a, mm. a confusing, you know, Michael's so great at storytelling and being in front of the camera and being on TV and being mm-hmm. in his brand. That's mm-hmm. old school reference. But a lot of people assume that every designer wants to be right. on TV too. It's not always that way. Well, you know, it, it's, it's a totally different skill set. Yeah. Just because you can do it doesn't mean you can talk about it well yeah. in a way that, you know, is really captivating and interesting and dynamic and stuff, right? So not every founder is built that way. They're there to build a business. So yeah. what we're talking about is like now putting it out in the universe in a package with a bow on it and, you know, what that could look like, which is not always the same as just launching the business itself. Do you get... um because I even do from friends or people that are starting something text or message, you know, like late night, like I want to put out a video. I'm so nervous to talk. I'm going to put out a reels. I'm going to do like, do you coach them through of like how to show up if, because at the end of the day, they could show up really polished through you in a, in a really big outward way if needed. But like at the end of the day, they want to kind of like record a video and post their narrative. Like, are they scared? Do you coach them? Everyone's scared. Yeah. Everyone is scared. There's no one that's just like, eh, whatever. Right. Because if you have any level of care, yeah. right, and everyone does, then you're going to have the what if, it's right? Terrifying. What if this doesn't land? What if this is like the one video that breaks me? Yeah. What if I just revealed something I'm really not supposed to? What? There's a million what ifs that could happen. And so, yeah. you know, I think we definitely coach people through things. I also media train, you know, clients constantly. That. Yeah. When, I, media- well, I had a coworker, you media trained at American yes. Eagle. I remember. Lauren, I think her Lauren, name yeah. was right. Lauren, yeah. Yes. Um, so we media train people as well to kind of arm them with some confidence and some polish and being able to be more of like a packaged communicator. Right. But sometimes it's like, if you're just, you know, a certain type of personality, like you just social is not strategy always. Right. Sometimes it's just like, I remember, um, a few years ago we were working with ColourPop, and, you know, they're such a social heavy brand. And I remember them saying, well, social's like breathing for us. We don't like think about it. It's not like a strategy. I'm like, what? Like, yeah. what do you mean? I mean, right. how? <laughs> oh, like, what do you mean? Yeah. How can that be? And, and the more I worked with them, the more I um, understood what they meant by that. But I think it's like, you know, when you start to question it, you have to ask yourself what's at stake. Yeah. And why am I questioning? Is it an ego thing? Or is it literally like this could be harmful for my business? Right. Or is this like sharing something that doesn't add value, right? Like trying to be, again, it's like, I hate to, I seem to say it a lot, but around, around that, like looking at things critically, so you important. have to ask yourself, right? Like, well, what's at stake here? Am I just afraid that like, I don't like my double chin? Like none of us do, but is it more like, oh my God, I actually just revealed, like you're revealing a new candle. And then you're like, oh my God, I gave that exclusive to somebody or I'm about to do a send out, right? It's like, you have to be thoughtful about well, how does this serve you and what's at stake if it goes awry. I get a, um, and that kind of leads me in because I'm in a funny boat that's a good one to be in. I like where I have a, um, a tribe of people that really care about me and have followed me since we knew each other working mm-hmm. together and that I have new people and that know my family and know where I've 
house I bought, right? They're very invested in mm-hmm. me as a, as a person. And mm-hmm. then I have um, my brand and mm-hmm. what I've founded. And so the influencer founder mindset, some, because as an influencer, mm. I breathe social. I'm like, good morning. That's right. I'm eating this. I'm right. meh, meh. But as a founder, yeah. it's like my business partner is like, no, 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 no. Don't post like a <laughs> promo code. Like, why are we posting the promo? Why are you giving that away? Mm-hmm. When are we doing it right. for? When are we going to end it? You know, yeah. you have to have that critical voice around yeah. you. I mean, I totally get that inner conflict though, because there are totally different purposes, you know, oh, yeah. and as an influencer, you, you can't, you know, you can't measure every single teeny tiny post. The whole point is to be authentic and to share, right. And to kind of share it all. And yep. then on the brand side, it's like, God forbid you share it all. <laughs> right. So- and I try to keep on TikTok a balance, which is really interesting because there I can be myself, but I could still be yeah. like, this is what I founded. This is what it does for you. Ask me questions. Instagram's a trickier place. Um, by the way, but, you what's know, your- I think there are things that you could share that blend the two, right? Mm. Like being authentic about how something is a challenge or really meaningful customer feedback you got and how that influenced the next thing that you're launching. Like, Mm. kind of pulling the curtain back and showing some of that stuff, right? Like that stuff is the stuff where it's like, share, go. And that's the piece that's kind of, right? And you're bringing together kind of you, the personality, and then, you know, head of a brand. Whereas like maybe, yeah, like what you're having for breakfast or the this and the that is just fueling the follow the lifestyle of the person. Yeah, it's a really interesting mix, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I the bet. more personal you can bleed your life into the brand in a respectable way, they, they people are rooting for you at the end of the day. As much noise as there is, people are rooting for you. What is your, um, mm-hmm. man, I could talk to you for hours. How am oh I running out of time with you already? You. What's your current take on the state of influencer culture? I've, I feel a shift. I mean, there's new platforms, there's new voices. Mm-hmm thoughts on its impact now versus 2018? I think it's more impactful than ever. I think we hear time and time again that that's what converts and that's what drives sales. Mm -hmm. I think even if we get a traditional press placement, like let's say, I don't know, Allure or Vogue or whoever, you know, or Hype Bay or Refinery or whatever, if they're going to do a story, we want them to amplify it on social. Mm -hmm. There are social editors where you Mm -hmm. can pitch them just to do content on social platforms. Like it, everyone is going to social for news, you know, it's like, it's all connected. And so we've also found editors are now influencers. Mm -hmm. So, and we measure their unboxings, by the way. I mean, it's, yeah. It's a whole other, you know, dimension. And I think what's interesting is TikTok is obviously the future. I think it really speaks to, it's amazing. It's like people love video, people love authenticity. You know, one video could change someone's life. I mean, that's just, I mean, it's changed. It's, you know, just looking at just, just white, black and white on the table. If I post something about the brand on Instagram and I post it on TikTok, the commerce is driven from the TikTok. The direct yeah. sales come from TikTok. Yeah. It's just like but, you can't you know, sleep on it. You can't. And I think also, you know, you're going to have different audiences on each. Yeah. 
And so they're each influenced differently, which is why the content has to be native to each platform, right? It can't sort of be the same right on each, but you can cultivate really, you know, cool content on Instagram and not have it be something that's going to drive sales, but have it be a place that's like, portfolio of things, right? That creates storytelling, right? You're the editor-in-chief of that magazine. You want to run some ads? You want to push the product? Maybe try to... Yeah, it's really interesting. I ask this of every guest, Lisa. Is there a moment in building your own personal brand or in your career that you thought was a mistake that ended up being a blessing that was just like a really great learning looking back at it? Oh God, so many. I have to choose one. (laughs) I know. People ask me that. I'm like, oh, I've made every mistake. But they're all oh great. My God. Okay, I'll give you two and you choose the one you like best. Okay, good. You're going to choose the Chanel one, but I'm going to give you a second one just in case. <laughs> so the Chanel one is, um, remember that story I told you about how I met Brad and how he interviewed me and this, that, and the other, and how he almost didn't hire me? Yep. So the truth is, is that, um, and I've told this story before and I will tell it till the end of time because it's literally me as a story. So I nailed my interview. I mean, I was like, you know, you could just, you could tell, right? You're like, yes, (laughs) I was like, I got this. And then he asked me, because sometimes he likes a good traditional question, which I don't enjoy, but he said, where do you see yourself in five years? And I said, in Chanel. And he was like, what a jerk. Who is this kid? And I'm like hello, I want to be so successful that I'm not just like in the earrings. I'm in the jacket. Okay. Like that's what's happening. I'm in outerwear. Okay. Correct. Correct. (laughs) And he did not want to hire me because of that. No. And yep. He was like, oh my God, what a jerk. Literally erased all the good I did. And then the other people in the room had basically said, that's the most brilliant thing we've ever heard. You're out of your mind to hire her. her." Yeah. Right. So thank God he did. Um, But then- It all came full circle because five years later, we were already shadow at that point because uh, we were worked together for four years before we started shadow at another agency. So five years later, we were on the red carpet on Robertson Boulevard opening the Chanel store. Oh my God. Almost to the like month. Like it was wild. It was like, it was really nuts. And I don't think any of us had really realized it until, um, we were wow. at the event and we, and we like put the pieces together and I was like, see, told you, like I willed this. It was crazy. That's the universe right there. I know. And I, I really thought like, man, I screwed that up. That was my shot for like my dream job that was going to change my life. And it actually showed me, okay, be that person that says the wild card things, be who you are. You know, that's the thing that actually is going to drive you to exactly where you're meant to be better than any perfectly packaged nonsense that every other person can say. Um, Liliana had a great um, quote on her episode that said, be a politician for yourself. And it's mm -hmm. like, kind of like, it's just that like you're rooting for you that that's you there and you're, and you're putting it out on the table and clearly it's stuck. I, love I that. think that's really hard to do when you're in your twenties, you know, because you just yeah. want to kind of achieve that thing you want to achieve. Right. But I think I learned that actually being me was always going to get me exactly where I needed to be. Yeah. Um, wow. Do you want me to hear, do you want to hear the second one or you want to leave it at that? 
I do want to hear the, the second one. I want to hear the second one. The second one is, um, I won't say who it was, but I had a client also in my twenties who was really mean to me and yeah, horrible. Like one of those nightmare clients that you like hear about or you see on TV, but you don't think is real. He was real and he was horrible to me. And I just remember taking it. Like I, I allowed it to happen because I didn't want to lose him as a client. I didn't want to, you know, lose my job. And I remember like doing that and it really impacted my mental health and it was an absolute nightmare. And, um, you know, sort of things shifted, uh, in business and I was able to kind of release him from my life. And that was when I realized how damaging it was and how actually important it was to never allow that to happen, even if you're in a client service relationship. And it genuinely, even though I look back and think, why couldn't I stand up for myself? Why did I accept that? Like, why after just one nasty comment, when they say, I'm sorry, what? Get the hell out of here. Right. Like mm-hmm. I couldn't understand right. that, but it built in me such a strength that literally makes me who I am today. So number one, we have a no assholes allowed policy at shadow. If we even sense an asshole on a uh, business meeting, they're out the toast. Okay. Like literally yeah. have like fired a client for being an asshole. Right. I also used to host these dinners called No Assholes Allowed. And then I like paused them for COVID. And it was Stop. literally a gathering of just amazing women who were not assholes. Cause like that's how strongly I believe in it. But I will always stand up, not just for myself, but for every single shadow. Even if they're wrong, I will stand up for them. And they know that. Yep. And they they see it time and time again. And I think it really impacted me as a leader. It really impacted me on the client service side and understanding how to have the difficult conversations, but respectfully and appropriately, right? And knowing when, you know, someone is not respecting, you know, the other, because I, I was that team member that was 20 something that was internalizing it and miserable and going to Bergdorf trying to buy shoes to feel better and like all of the things, right? I'm there. I'm with you there mentally. I I bet you are. (laughs) Yeah. But I used to, I used to look back on it and say like, oh, why did I let that happen? Right. And now I realize it was not the mistake. That was the key learning that strengthened me so much. Wow. You are a wealth of knowledge, a joy to reconnect with, talking shop and no assholes. We have a phrase at my company where we say, keep the crazy out. Yeah. And it sense of crazy. And in a bad way, crazy. We love good crazy. Yeah, Um, good crazy is the best. Good crazy is the best. We're all a little crazy. But yeah, yeah, we keep the crazies out. But um, I just want to thank you for doing the show. It was such a treat. How can everybody learn more about Shadow and what you do and see all the great clients you work with? Oh my God, of course. I mean, definitely follow us on social. We're at We Are Shadow and I'm at Lisa Sulodi. And I think we love to share on social all the fun things that we're doing. So you can definitely follow along there. Killing it lady. And I'm going to email you separately or call you separately. I'm doing the Today Show and I feel like there's got to be something with some of your brands that we can- Oh my um, God, yes. Done and done. Let's discuss. Well, thank you because you are just killing it in this world. I'm so proud of you. I'm amazed by everything that you do. And I like literally could talk to you all day long. 
like truly. we have to do this with and we can get lil too but we can do a, a yeah. um a dinner where we all sit and talk shop and assholes and crazies and just have oh a my blast God. all right i'll talk to you soon this podcast is a part of the upstarter podcast network podcasts are an amazing way for you guys to build and increase the value of your personal brand. So if you're looking to start a podcast just like I did, visit upstarterpods.com to get started today. For more on the show, you can find us on Instagram at brandmepodcast or at Preston Conrad. Be sure, of course, to rate, review, and subscribe and share on social. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll catch you next week.